0: Welcome, everyone, to the L7C podcast, NBA edition. Today, we're going to be recapping the NBA finals that just concluded about a week ago, and we're going to be talking some offseason. We got the NBA draft that's going to be happening on Thursday, June 23rd, and all the things that have been going on in the association. So we have the NBA aficionado, Mr. Evan Debo. How are you doing today, sir?
1: I'm doing great, Martin. We've, uh, we've finished another year, um, of, of podcast land in NBA basketball, and we've crowned a, uh, a new champ, um, a familiar champ, but we've crowned a new champ in the Golden State Warriors who, uh, have taken home the 2022 NBA title, uh, behind a, um, MVP performance, uh, from Steph Curry, his first out of his four rings and,
0: uh, another season's in the books. Yeah, so let's get right into that, Evan. You just said at the Golden State Warriors, they won the NBA title. I know both of us, you had Boston, I think, in seven, and I had Golden State in seven, so yeah. this ended a game early. But let's just go right into the finals. What are things you saw, like how the series went? Just go right into it. Man, just so much so much to think about. I mean, I, I had said way
1: back, when did i thought the winner of milwaukee boston was going to take it all just i agree with you defense. too you saw mm-hmm. the, what you saw out of tatum and Giannis, and you know i just it, you know this is not this is not to discredit golden state i mean because they they ran the table they didn't martin gold state warriors in this postseason didn't trail in any series or sorry did not that's not accurate um I'm not sure where I was going. That back to what I thought I saw, they didn't. They they had had a trailed. but no, they had not. What I wanted to say was they haven't faced elimination. They did not face elimination once along their entire way. So there was no, there were no ties or no game sevens. There were no down three games to two or three games to one. I mean, they they uh, kept their composure, you know, and we saw that when they were down two one early, and we thought, hey, you know, Boston just got a string you know, two games together here, and they're the NBA champs. And then something switched in the series. Um, it, it, there's a lot of things you can point to. Um, but, I mean, Golden State would end up running the slate. So from going down 2-1, uh, facing that 1-2 deficit, they won three straight. Um, took it in uh, Boston's home court there. You know, again, there's there's so many different pieces of this. Um, you know, the just you've had, you had Draymond Green doing podcasts during an NBA Finals, after every game, and um, you know he, he just was a shell of himself. You know, rallied and and played phenomenal in Game Six. You know, again, that was interesting anecdote. Um, you know, Jason Tatum it just kind of lost steam. I, I it seemed like we are all kind of waiting for you know kept flexing his shoulder the entire series. Um, you know, you'd wondered there was that that tie up with Draymond where he kind of yanked him back on that injured shoulder too at at a foul line at the foul line too and you know questioning dirty plays, those kinds of things, what's Draymond getting away with. Um, there's so many pieces to this, Martin, but you know, a lot of that, so you know, the the Steph Curry game, um game four in Boston. Game four, Just yep. absolutely took over. And then, you know, as, as you've, you know, been beating the drum all along, those Golden State third quarters, man, like
0: mm-hmm. what do you what do you
1: do when that when that's just coming? So I think from the Warriors perspective You know, Steph Curry was phenomenal. The second best player this year will go down as Andrew Wiggins.
0: Yes, Um, what he was able to do
1: on both sides, what he was able to do on both sides of the ball, he was engaged. uh, You know, on offense and defense, um, you know, wasn't settling, competed, competed, competed. um, You know, gave right, wrong, and different. You know, I think there's a lot of inward things we can question about Tatum, like you know, injury and where the light's too big kind of thing. There are a lot of data points where you can look at his first finals run for Tatum versus LeBron against the Spurs, um, in seven and like the numbers are almost identical. So like, is there something to be said about getting to the stage for the first time running out of steam? You know, you're trying to get to, you know, those 16 wins and it's just grueling and they had two game seven series previously for Boston. But I mean, a lot of that has to go to Andrew Wiggins and Draymond Green, just shutting him shutting him down as best you can i mean it, it, they're just phenomenal on the defensive end um you know i think pool was hit or miss in the series i think they got just enough um, out of clay that they needed you know to uh to progress here um on the warrior side of things for boston you know again i think when boston's looking into the off season here they needed to obviously address you know getting another ball handler i think they figured they got as far as they could with. You know, Derek White. You know, being that second ball handler, Marcus Smart was banged up. You know, Tatum too. You know, while he was phenomenal throughout this entire thing, set a uh, playoff record with over a hundred turnovers in the playoffs. A hundred turnovers. This ain't a bakery. This ain't this ain't getting turnovers at chocolate turnovers at Arby's. Like this is this is uh, this is hallowed ground when you're marching in the postseason like this. So, um, but none of that to take credit away from. And the kind of run they had. I mean, from January on, I, I had the team dead in the water before, but what they were able to do, um, what Ime was able to get out of them, just the, the timeouts and the, you know, yo, WTF, that he'd be saying on the sideline, like, he's saying, what are we doing? Just, I mean, he's, he's the right kind of mentality to hold him accountable. But, uh, you know, again, I, we're, we're obviously at, um, you know, Spurs territory. I hate people making the arguments that hey the Warriors since they didn't um, they only did back to back once, they didn't do a three peat, those kinds of things like like four titles and since uh, twenty fifteen like hey, says it enough. Like this is this is Spurs echelon um, legacy stuff for that three. And they were able to, you know, reintegrate and reinvent themselves, um, bring in some new folks like Wiggins mm-hmm. and I mean shout out to that ownership, Bob Myers and those mm-hmm. guys. I mean, they've spent over 200 some million dollars. So they want to try to retrain these retrain, sorry, retain these guys hitting in the next year. I mean, they could be pushing a $400 million payroll with luxury taxes and double taxes. Um, the money they've spent, you know, navigating the KD thing. I mean, if you're Durant, you help get them, you know, uh, eventually Andrew Wiggins, you know, in the, in the Russell trade and uh, the sign and trade with Brooklyn, like, It is amazing how they're able to reinvent themselves and and keep true to, you know, those three, you know, despite, you know, Clay clearly not being the same after two years of basketball, but still, you know, incredibly capable perimeter scorer And um, he gained some steam and got some familiarity back on the defensive end, I think you saw as the playoffs went on for the Warriors. But just shout out to that team. And, um, you know, as much as I hate it, you know, I was definitely rooting for Boston all those times with Golden State and Cleveland back to back to back to back. But those are my thoughts, Martin. How about you?
0: Yeah, I think obviously the game four really changed the thing because Boston was up 2-1. Game four was in their house. They win that. They're up 3-1, and this is probably going to be over. And Curry had the 43. That was his legacy finals game. A lot of people are saying he never had one, and that is the one. I think my biggest thing, too, is that On Boston, one of the more consistent players was Al Horford, which he played in his first finals. 36 years old. My problem was with as great as Boston's defense is, I don't get why they were switching Horford on to Curry on those screens. Like, I I did not understand why they didn't just have him show and get back and then the guard get some guard him. I don't know why he was staying on Curry. You have the defensive player of the year and Marcus Smart. He should have been on Curry the whole time. That was one defensive scheme I did not understand.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's an excellent point. I think there's there's tons of layers to it. I mean, there's the, the Warriors are is how um, do I want to put this? There is scientific. There is nuclear physicist. Is a basketball team can be schematically. To free up Steph Curry, so you're combating that. And there's Mike Brown and Kenny Atkinson on the bench too, working alongside Steve Kerr to, you know, uh, di- digest how Boston attacks, um, you know, the the pick and roll defensively, the you know whether they're going to show or trail or trap or whatever. But yeah, I mean, I think at a certain extent, like I would want if my big is going to get switched on 101 overplay the three point line and funnel them in and deal with the result. Like I, I, it's an easy thing to say, but you know, again, I think that goes back to just, I'm going to give half off to, you know, the, the job that Tristan Thompson did on the switches back when the cows won the 16 title because same situation, but you know, Thompson just had the foot speed, you know, to, to kind of keep up versus, you know, Al at his age is just doing the best he can, man. But I mean, Horford was just tremendous in this series. Um, Time Lord, too, defensively. I mean, those, those guys weren't why Boston lost
0: the series by any means. Yeah, and just to even go further with it, because obviously, like Andrew Wiggins, you want to talk about a career year. I mean, he's an NBA champ. He was an all-star starter. We even got on that a little bit, how he was a starter. But mm-hmm. he was the second-best player on the championship team. He led the finals in rebounds, and he was probably one of the top two best defenders in the finals. So it's coming to like I know you just talked about the luxury tax and all that, but I don't think they have him walking away this year.
1: No, they gotta they gotta figure out a way to pay him. I mean that's that's the problem inherently is they're gonna have to some of those big get names they're gonna have to take less or whatever, or they'll you know reinvent themselves again and figure it out. Um but you know Andrew just I mean phenomenal it, it it staying home and you know not uh not giving ground to, to Brown and, and, and Tatum um you know when, when Tatum's doing those back downs and um again just attacking the glass like it just it makes no sense how this undersized Golden State Warriors team series in and series in just keeps attacking was able to attack the glass how they could with really just Kevon Looney as like their lone center essentially you know, without just, you know, sheer will, and they wanted it more. Like, it just – it that's how they won this. Stuff. I mean, just a, a gritty, gritty team, um, especially on the defensive end when, you know, they're giving up a lot of size and, you know, thinking back to the Memphis series and such, too, that, um, you know, they were able to accomplish what they were able to accomplish in four titles um, for, for the curry, curry
0: Draymond, and clay combo. Yeah, and with Curry, too – Four titles as a coach, five as a player. That's nine total titles. Looks like he potentially could catch up or get close enough to one of his other mentors in Phil Jackson. And we talked about the Spurs dynasty. That's the first thing I thought about with the Parker Ginobili, Duncan, that group winning five titles, but they won four because I forgot. I think it was Tony who got or is it Manu who got drafted after they already won one. But... Neither here nor there. But the Duncan Pop won five. They The Curry. I believe it was Manu. Yeah, who got drafted after. Yeah. Because cause Duncan won one in 97. No, it was early. 99. 99, and they beat the Knicks. With, with Robinson. Yep. So this is crazy, man, because I didn't think I'd see something like the Spurs and the consistency. Obviously, Duncan, they made the playoffs every year. He really never got hurt. Curry, they got hurt a couple of years ago, and Steph Curry said, you guys do not want to see us next year. And to say that and then win the title is just amazing. And then also seeing how the Warriors kept receipts about everyone who said their franchise was done, they weren't going to win a title anymore, they couldn't win without Kevin Durant. Yeah, I'm glad, I'm
1: glad you mentioned that.
0: I was going to bring that up too,
1: um, especially with Clay Clay Dog and, you know, Memphis, and, you know, again, I'm I'm excited to see that series progress. Like, that's uh, that'll be fun for – hopefully for years to come if they get matched. Even regular season, I think you're going to see some texts and flagrants and ejections and stuff too. I mean, Clay ain't one to shy away from, you know, comments. But, I mean, the, when the team wins championships and backs them up, like, it is what it is. Like, um, you know, I, I think back to 15 when he said, you know, I guess you're just going to, you know, whatever. Um, Cry about it, whine about, it, or whatever he said about LeBron, and you know they end up losing. And I remember just how infuriating, infuriating that was to hear those kinds of things. But you know that's good motivational stuff for the uh, the the gym poster, um, you know, for Grizzlies and everything else. But they absolutely are keeping receipts now. <laughs> oh yeah, um, it's...
0: so many different things. So yeah, because also with John Morant saying that they want the Christmas game against the Warriors, he wants the NBA people to make it happen. I was like, well. I I love it. I love it too. So to go back to Curry, to Steph Curry, a lot of talk. Obviously he had the three titles before this, no finals MVPs, two are Durant. One was Andre. Now he wins his fourth title. That Andre one should not have happened. (laughs) It it is what it is. We can't change the past. LeBron
1: LeBron average, it was 39 or 40. Uh.
0: Twelve and nine. He
1: averaged a triple double, and he won it for his. But it was mostly at the time his. I mean, like it was. You're saying Andre averaged a triple double?
0: No, LeBron did. Oh
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, if you yeah, especially if you round up, I think you were there. But like he won it. He won the Finals MVP for his quote-unquote defensive efforts on LeBron. Like, like Curry deserved that. That was that was not that was not fair. Speaking of Iguodala, you know, I think the. I think we've seen the theatrics with him entering the game in the blowout. You know, um, you know, there towards it—not the, blowout, blowout, but the size of the lead at the end and final twenty minutes of the the last game that um, we've probably seen the last of Andre Iguodala. I think in the in the NBA, never say never. It's always that hey, let's overpay a bench roll kind of thing. Um, you know, like uh, he also has four titles. Also has four. Yep. Also has four titles. Um, consummate consummate pro role player you know just was somebody so hard to scheme against uh you know on the defensive end you know when when the cleveland was playing when the finals you know year in and year out that i mean he was he was a threat to shut your water off um you know and just found a rhythm and it was a huge part of where they're at now just shout out if that if this is the end shout out to, to andre and Um, excited to see, I could see him being obviously, a a guy who can't walk away from the game being a a James Jones front office type or, you know, something like that. There's a reason why these guys are blue guys, they're culture character guys that, you know, can hold people accountable and, uh, you know, can also, uh, um, you know, instill their, their knowledge and wisdom and, you know, everything else in, in the young players in terms of scouting, in terms of development, those kinds of things that, you know, I don't think this is the last scene of him, um, but if it is a career, um,
0: he's been been a pleasure to watch um, as an opposing fan. Right. So with Curry, too, so players to win four championships and at least two regular season MVP awards, you have Kareem, now you have Steph, you have Tim Duncan, you have LeBron, LeBron. you have have Magic, you have MJ, and you have – Bill Russell this year Curry won the inaugural Western Conference Player or whatever that I think it's dumb but it is what it is he won the All Star MVP and he won the Finals MVP so Evan the big talk recently now is if Steph Curry is a top ten player in history currently on the ES the uh, top seventy five that came out this year on the seventy fifth anniversary. He was at 16 on the ESPN. So what do you Like, do you think he's top 10? Like, who would you take off? What are you thinking? And I can read you the top 10. I can read you the top 10 too, if you need it. I have it right up. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Let me, let me see who I can, who I can rattle off. So. MJ LeBron. Yep, that's one and uh, Kareem,
0: two. Three. Bill. Two. Bill is uh six. Bill is Bill is six. Mm-hmm. Um Kobe. Kobe is
1: ten. Right at ten. And that's the discussion. You know, again, it's would you knock Kobe out for Curry? I've seen a couple different places. Um
0: Hakeem on there? No. Hakeem is number see that's the other thing too. Hakeem is 13. Like there's people in front of Kirby okay, who I would I'm just waiting yeah, for you to guess the yeah, top ten.
1: Yeah, he's close. Read me, read me the, read me the few on this, and I assume Shaq's okay.
0: shaq
1: Shaq's so, in there or no.
0: Yeah, so you have you had you, have, you have, uh, Michael and LeBron Michael and LeBron one and two, Kareem was three, Magic Johnson is four, Bill yeah, Wilk Chamberlain Bird. is five, Bill six, Bird seven, Tim Duncan eight, Oscar Robinson yeah. nine, Kobe ten. And then the people ahead of Steph Curry, Shaq, 11, Durant, 12, Hakeem, 13, Julius, 14, Moses Malone, 15, Curry, 16. A lot of people I've seen have, on ESPN and all that, have taken out Oscar or potentially Wilt and inserted Curry in the top 10. But I'm going to be honest, man, I, I don't think that prime Curry is better than Prime Shack or Durant. I just don't.
1: Yeah, it's it's tough. Like this is this is the these are the things we all enjoy, the Fourth of July cookout, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um and Chris on Christmas Day is having debates and comparing the accolades, you know, and everything else. Like like I don't know. I struggle with I struggle with Oscar for what he meant to the game. The yes. you know the on so many different levels, the triple doubles. Um you're we talking a twelve time all star, um, nine time NBA All First Team, six time NBA Assist Leader, but one MVP and one title. Yeah. Like he's got a drop. He's got drop for me. You're right. I think on the the, the Durant, the Durant and um, Shaq things are fair. I don't think I still have Shaq in my top ten. Like if I you're do swapping too. them, I'm putting I'm putting Shaq in the top ten, and I've got Curry right on the door ahead of Durant. As um, a, res- you know, a resume, right? yeah, yeah, okay. on the resume. But okay. This, it, and like, too, if you look at it in the bigger context, like Michael, let's look at people who fundamentally change how we play basketball.
0: Michael okay. Jordan,
1: and you know, back to the David Halberstam or David Halberstam um, breaks of the game about you know the, um, sorry, wrong book, but the Jordan rules. Mm-hmm. Um, with Michael Jordan, you know, again, just uh, how he changed the game with the hand check fouls, to how you had to officiate Shaq, which, you know, set up, you know, how we really, how we treat big men nowadays, um, you know, again, and just, you know, how we, how we officiate the Dwight Howards and the Joel Embiid's and everything else that Curry's in that same spot in terms of like, I think he gets an extra percentage or push because of how he's weaponized the three point line and best shooter of all time. Like, I, I think he's, I think he's, he's knocking on the door uh, for sure. I don't, I don't have him ahead of, ahead of uh, Bean just yet, but um, I mean, I think, and, and that's scary to talk about and think, and especially with Kobe's no longer with us, like you don't want to, posthumously hurt his legacy like after his death like kind of thing you feel like you are having this conversation but well what steph curry's done right wrong and different very real how he's changed the game you know the the rings are are starting to pile up the accolades are starting to pile up and i i think it's it's he's opened the door and he's he's in he's in the room he might be 15 feet away but and a long way to go but i think he's he's getting ready to open the door or he's he's got a foot in
0: yeah because i don't necessarily think you have to knock like kobe like so if oscar is nine and kobe's ten if you take oscar out and you move kobe to like nine then you have that 10th spot with like a shaq durant curry there have been and people. i've got shaq in there too yes yeah, so i would have shaq as well but what do you think about the people who talk about like wilt that he only won two titles and with all the scoring accolades and all of that, he only got the two titles because another guy on this top five six, uh, Bill was killing him. So, what do you think about people saying yeah. maybe Wilt needs to be down a bit just because of the resume part, not the individual stats part?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I certainly think that's fair. And if that's the case, I mean, I, I think there's a there's a compelling case here where Curry is in top ten, mm-hmm. and you know, you could bump Wilt back. I mean, if you look at it. At a certain point, we're going to get to a spot where you got to have some automatic qualifiers in here. I think it's got to be, you know, X amount of rings. I mean, did Bird have four?
0: Bird had three, but he was That's what going against Magic Johnson and they were trading. And then obviously his yeah. career got cut short. Cause, now, we're uh, gonna get
1: to a spot where, hey, top ten, to be in the top ten, you got to have four rings. Like we might well be in that conversation uh at a certain point the way things keep progressing and everything else where hey it's clear cut like to enter the the top 10 club um you know the first the first uh rule of the clubhouse is you got to have you got to have four rings and then we go from there how did you change the game what you do on the court off the court how did we change the game because of it you know the individual accolades obviously are going to be the high, next highest thing after championships. um yeah. But, uh, you know, again, because they have to go hand in hand. Otherwise, you've got, you know, again, you've got Steve Kerr with however many and, and Big Shot
0: Bob with, you know, more rings and um, he knows what to do with. So. Yeah, because with the Bird thing, obviously, Bird and Magic still have the highest rated college basketball game of all time. And they revitalized the NBA when we were in a – well, we weren't alive. But when the NBA was at a slump in the 80s, without them, it doesn't – they bring it back, Michael in the 90s. Then we got the Kobe, Shaq, LeBron. Like you said, era changers. And then someone who really didn't yeah. like change anything, but it's just a board like Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan's won Ray Allen three for being six and zero in the finals. But that is just an interesting discussion that's going to be continuing on. And if Curry wins another one next year, then the discussion's really going to ramp up. We're gonna we're gonna pop up. We're gonna pop up considerably,
1: <laughs> and I mean he's he's still got he's still got time, man. I mean i I have until some fundamental things happen with LeBron James situation. That uh, I mean Curry's
0: got Curry's got a better chance of getting the fifth than LeBron does until I see something different. Yeah. And that's also what people bring up with the LeBron thing is now both of them have four titles, which is kind of crazy that the kid, Steph Curry, for people who've been watching basketball for so long, most of his early years was derailed by the ankle injuries. If people forget that, like he was hurt a lot because of those ankles from that yeah. to four chips, and he has four, LeBron has four. You got people like, KD, who has two who's still there in the league, Gianna's still there. The NBA, like, there, there's some champions around here.
1: Back to the, um, back to Curry, you know, every time he won the title, I feel like the story resurfaces of legend that the Warriors flat out deny that, you know, with all the ankle injuries and everything else, um, you know, early on in the career that they had offered – Steph Curry to Milwaukee for number one overall pick Andrew Bogut, and the Bucks turned him down. Is allegedly the legend. And the Warriors will deny it and say, "Hey, we never, never, ever said that, uh, or never tried to move him." I mean, again, like that's those are the things that come with it. I mean, you know, again, like even the Bulls, um, you know, with Pippen and everything else. How many years later were we before we found out? You know, again, just. I mean, obviously, he did get moved, but, you know, again, just how earlier on the struggles were with, you know, do we move pieces, do we not move pieces, those kinds of things, and who's happy and who's not. So, Martin, I think that's a good dovetail. Um, we'll put a, a stamp at the end of this one uh, for, for the Golden State Warriors, the NBA champion, mm-hmm. Golden State Warriors. And as you said, tomorrow's a draft. We put the uh, – we're really in the height of the off season and the season that never ends, right, of, of NBA basketball. Um, but uh, before we get to the draft, because I got a lot of ground to cover there, we've got a number of off-season things. And speaking of players not happy, Kyrie um, Irving in Brooklyn.
0: He's become a mainstay on this podcast.
1: Kyrie Irving um, doesn't seem to be too happy that the Brooklyn Nets don't want to give him a long-term deal. Mm-hmm. Mhm uh, we've talked we've talked about this enough from the ground. you got to show up for work, man. if I'm Brooklyn, I can't go to bed at night giving him a long term deal like more than two years kind of thing. but there's been some crazy stuff floated um like I've heard people like speculating like okay like he's it's been rumored he's like and he has publicly come out and said, basically I didn't handle myself well you know during that championship year with cleveland and that's been well documented especially in the playoffs like he was a recluse would not talk to anybody he'd show up and he'd play basketball um he was not a team player anything that he's come out since and said that you know, he's regretted that but i feel like there's some stock in a even though there's like almost no something absurd would need to happen but I feel like there's some stock in a are he and LeBron trying to reunite kind of conversation? Um, I've read that a couple of different places. He would need to like turn down thirty million dollars to opt out himself, which he has until about the middle to end of next week to decide on, and then he could sign for the the Lakers. Um, uh, I think baby mid level about six million bucks, which is nothing, but like uh, that would be absurd. But never never expect anything um, with Kyrie Irving, right? Martin, yeah. what are your what are your thoughts? I think we all know the the obvious on do just play basketball, play in more than a third of your games in two years, all those things, but like what does Brooklyn do in the scenario? Are they right to hold out, in your opinion, and weigh whether or not Kevin Durant, you know, reconsiders his long term investment in the team? Um, you also have a giant paperweight and Ben Simmons, you don't know what to do about. Um, It's been rumored Kyrie, or it's been reported Kyrie, after Steve Nash practices, would try to have his own practices with the team. Martin, just shoot, man.
0: Yeah, so I think the biggest thing, if I'm an organization from a financial thing, I do not give him the long-term deal. I still would re-sign him because, I mean, Martin I need to, I need to interrupt. I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. We need to define we need to find some NBA
1: baby steps here with Dave Ramsey. Baby step oh. 1 got to be don't give Kyrie Irving the max.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: Don't give Kyrie Irving long-term money after
0: 2022. Do not do it. That's baby step 1 in NBA money. All right, continue. Yeah, that's that's actually very very clever. But yes, you don't give him the long term because I mean the dude has not played 60% of the total games in the past couple of years, obviously with injury and not being vaccinated and all of that. But still, I mean, this next thing so far has been a failure. They've only won one playoff series. And obviously they're like one size. If Kevin Durant's foot was a size 12, they beat the Bucs. But hey, that's basketball. But this year, if people don't remember they're the only team in the playoffs that got swept. Only team, so it's one of those things too, and we've joked about it on here, but it's become a serious thing. Like, he just hasn't been showing up to work, he hasn't. It's been either one thing or another, or not getting vaccinated, but then going to uh, maskless parties and getting trouble with that in the height of COVID. I don't give him the long term deal, I do give him a deal though, because Kevin Durant went there because of him. So, if you run the risk of getting Kevin Durant mad and then losing KD potentially, because that's just the era we're in with the NBA players. If you get them mad, they want to leave your team. Then your whole thing was a waste of time. So I do think you signed Kyrie, so Kevin stays. The whole Ben Simmons thing, I don't even have the time for that because we have to actually see him moving to see what that could be. And I just want to go to the Lakers thing too. i have They've talked about that, reuniting, all that stuff. I want Lakers fans to actually – Remember this, y'all are not getting like Kyrie for like free, and y'all can't afford them. Like you already said with the Evan thing, and people would have to get traded. Obviously, I think their biggest thing would be Russell Westbrook. If people are like, oh my gosh, can you imagine if Westbrook and Durant reunite? I was like, that's not going to work. So, Lakers fans need to pump the brakes. They don't have the they don't have the assets to trade. They would have to give up a lot of stuff. But I, I just feel like it's one of those things. Like Kyrie wants a long term deal. They don't want to give it to him. Now we're at a standstill, and whenever Kevin Durant steps in, that's when this will get done.
1: I think that's a good point. I mean, if Kevin Durant says, "I'm I'm peacing," if you don't give him long term money, then it's I gonna happen. Well. I think Kevin? I think Kevin sees it too, but um, I, I just really don't see that. I, I I agree that would happen, but I just don't see I don't see Kevin doing that. No, nope. I don't know. It's, it's, it's such a, such a weird spot. We'll see how that unfolds. I I still think there's some crazy way that this cat declines his option a week from the day and sees what else is out there and isn't, isn't, you know, not, I got to be with My own truth enough is the famous phrase from Cleveland to uh, say, Hey, money's not everything. I'm going to sign for $6 million
0: in the mini mid-level with the Lakers. Evan, I do want to ask you something, though, because this is a thing where, even for the common workspace that we're in, when does the headache outweigh the talent? Because we have done this before we even had the L7C podcast. We've talked about Kyrie almost once every four years like it's a college. He wanted to leave LeBron because he didn't want to be the little brother. Went to Boston. Had that whole thing in the boss of thing, like, oh, if you'd have me, I'd like to stay. Then he leaves that, goes to Brooklyn. Now we're doing it all over again. Like, when is the, when does the headache just outweigh the town? Like, you know what, man? All right. We don't want to do right. this anymore. I,
1: Martin, this is not, I do not condone this video. It's chauvinistic. It's, it's sexist. Um, it's, it's completely satirical and a comedy. Um, but it's an old, old video on YouTube about ready to drop i'm sure you've seen it um again i do not condone any of this whatsoever it, it's completely satire um and comedy but uh there's that video of the crazy hot scale are you familiar with it
0: yep i am
1: so for the for the listeners the crazy hot scale some some comedic guy gets up there and talks about you know again like he, he has a he has a, a chart up there completely satirical has a line that goes up, you know, it talks about, hey, as somebody's me- uh, measures of attractiveness go up, um, you know, on the on the right side, like what where they go a- across the horizontal part of the graph as they go up, like also their craziness increases. Um, and if you don't settle for the fringes on either side, somewhere in there is your wipe down. Um, so I think we've had a lot of people, and you can flip it and say, hey, same thing with with you know husbands and everything else on crazy hot scale um, or immature hot scale, like whatever. If we're playing um, stereotypes in um, dating culture, but you're exactly right. I mean, that's, Ky- that's Kyrie Irving to a T. Like it's that higher, but like to a certain extent, like here, like Kyrie Irving is a wizard on the basketball court, like we've never seen. I'll never ever see anybody dribble a basketball like that man can. I'll never see any- the man scientifically diagnosed a piece of glass um, to kiss the ball off of for bank shots and angle shots and floaters. And uh, and the dude can just shoot the lights out and cross you up and break your ankles like, uh, I mean, some crazy Rucker Park stuff. But at a certain point, you're right. It's not worth the headache. It's not worth the headache. Like, And I think we'll start to see that, I think, in the market. I think you'll see some, you know, as his career plays out, I hope he comes to his senses, but we've been saying this for how many years? Like Bill Simmons said it on a podcast today about like, you know, the man absolutely, uh, when the game, when the chips were down was a bad dude in the 16 finals oh, yeah. that shot and everything else. And he's been going out to dinner since and not done anything. He's been going out to dinner since on that billing of that, that game seven shot and hasn't had to do anything um are put in the work for any anything else so i think you're exactly right that, that's a long analogy to say that i don't think he's worth the headache yeah i mean i just certainly don't want him in cleveland if the Cavs had Cavs have the ability to sign him right now i don't want him
0: i don't think i don't think they're looking they're looking that way but we're gonna have to wait and see maybe there'll be some moves on the draft tomorrow but We'll just have to wait and see on that. I'm also waiting for the thing like where last time where Russell Westbrook heard that the Rockets wanted to get rid of him. He's like, all right, I want out. Is he going to do the same thing with the Lakers? They're hearing these rumors. He's like, I'm not even going to wait for the rumors. I'm just going to get out of here. But. Yeah, I don't know. But if, then who would so many, want Russell? There's
1: so many layers. Yeah. There's so many layers to it. Hey, every I feel like there's been tons of, I think when he was in D.C. too, but definitely now, like, what's with this Charlotte buzz with Russell? I don't get it. And I know Charlotte wants to desperately, and maybe they'll figure a way to do it. I've heard rumors of they'll use a 13th or 15th pick around the Cavs tomorrow night in the draft to do it. But they definitely have buyer's remorse about Gordon Hayward and want to move him. There's been some discussion of, like, can a Hayward and Westbrook thing work its way out? Also, you've got John Wall, just out in limbo, making forty-eight million dollars a year in Houston, who Houston won't play. (laughs) He just popped it into his final year of his deal. But I mean, like, I feel bad for John Wall. Like, John Wall didn't do anything to deserve this. Like, it's just like it's, and he averaged twenty-one and ten his last year in the league with Russell Westbrook, his last year playing, and he just he has no fault of his own he's been told that hey you can't like we're not going to play you, man like you're not a part of the plan you're just something for us to eat salary on and we got all these picks and um you know yada 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 but like we've got a few immovable deals here that can you move the the cups around and and put like if you're the lakers i don't know quite how it works mathematically but like i thought. All right, let's swap and let's get John Wall in here, and let's have Westbrook just hit the pine for Houston, if if that's how it pans out. Those kinds of things. There's so many, so many things to move there. But Martin, we got to speaking of moving, we got to move this podcast along. But a couple other off-season notes before we touch base on the draft. So, um, Warriors assistant Kenny Atkinson originally took the Charlotte Hornets job. Yep. Um, allegedly, and then it was like Ooh, Woj we'll tweeted out I think over the weekend like. Actually, it turns out since they won the title, the ink wasn't dry and he's not going to take that job. I've read some places where, and I haven't done the the due diligence fact checking on cap numbers and stuff, but that historically Charlotte hasn't spent money on assistance. Um, Kenny was led to believe that Jordan and the ownership group would pony up to help him put together a, a good staff. And that was why he backed out. I've read family reasons. Um, that Charlotte has historically been bottom five in the league in paying assistants. Um, Charlotte's in a tough spot, and I think they're going to end up hiring like eighty-year-old Mike D'Antoni. So there's like he was uh, the other finalist essentially. So I think they're getting ready to do that. I don't know how much faster Charlotte can play because Lonzo's just whipping the ball literally uh, vertical or I mean literally horizontally across the court. That's been an interesting piece. We've seen a number of player movements already, um, folks opting out of contracts. Uh, the 76ers apparently want to move off uh, Matisse Thybul to uh, give three years and 30 million to PJ Tucker, who opted out of Miami. You're going to pay 10 million a year to PJ Tucker at 40. Like, what is going on, Martin? It's madness.
0: Yeah, that's. <laughs> I agree. It's also crazy, too, because Charlotte, not just. Not this year, but last year they were in the play-in games. So it's not like they're too, too far off in the East, but it's like they need the and they were,
1: Yeah, so, I mean, they've got – they'd have to move that contract. So speaking of things I expect tomorrow, is. I think there's somehow – I mean, they have to figure out a way to move the Gordon Hayward deal because they have to pay Miles Bridges. They just – they have to. And Miles Bridges is going to command near-max money. So that's, that's something that I would not be surprised if you see him attached to a pick or several picks or something to get off of him, um, get off of that deal so they can pre up some more money to offer. Uh, they also need some size in the front court. Um, they might address that in the draft. We'll see. Um, right, before the, right before we hopped on, Martin um, uh, had been floated as maybe the Cavs were interested in this target, but Portland has now um, acquired Jeremy Grant. For a 2025 Minnesota pick, that's when it conveys 2025 um, uh, from Detroit. So Detroit's got a like 44 million in cap space now. That magically becomes a DeAndre Ayton max money deal that the Suns won't match. The Suns this whole time have been like, "All right, man, like go find it on the market. Nobody's willing to pay a back to the basket center max money." even if you were really big, but he looked disinterested last year. We've talked about the gobert Ayton swap and, you know, again, where those players might move. But, I mean, I, I think there's fast and loud noise for him to Detroit now. You know, for the Cavs, you know, they're in an impasse with Colin Sexton who feels like, hey, my minimum number should be $20 million a year, and the Cavs are like, you're a restricted free agent. Go get it somewhere else. And now, magically, Detroit up the road could have money to to sign them and see if the cows will match, which could handcuff us a little bit financially for years to come. But those have been the latest movements. Um, Martin, any comments on those or anything else has popped up that you,
0: uh, you've you seen or haven't seen before you touch draft? Uh, no, I think D'Antoni will be announced the to coach tomorrow. I think so, too. Yeah, I, I think he'll be announced. Tomorrow, dominoes will fall. I don't know if there's going to be any big trades, but we're going to have to wait and see. We have to wait and see. Well
1: let's let's yeah, let's polish let's polish off and in the pod on on the NBA draft. So I I've texted you a little bit over the last couple of days. Like so the Cavs have a fourteen pick. Um no no surprise for those of you who listen to the, the podcast that you know we're highly invested in the Cavs, being Ohioans, and especially me hoping I can be a GM one day, which is never gonna happen, um, of my beloved Cleveland Cavaliers. But um, uh, never say never, say never, never say never, never say never. But they're the 14th pick in the draft. Um, Martin, I feel like so if we're just kind of talking about storylines for this draft, you know, I think there's there's debate at the top on what the magic when you do at Number one, between Auburn's Javari Smith Jr. Or, you know, Chet Holmgren, who coming this season, you know, Chet was going to be the key. You know, Chet. Chet is just a freak. On so many different levels, he's obviously really thin. Um, you know, played it played at Gonzaga. Um, he's got such great instincts defensively that you know he's he's not Evan Mobley defensively, but he has like Evan Mobley type length and instinct. You know that that make him a, a rare piece. Um, I think there's that's still up in the air. I I will find it. I I will find it hard pressed to think that. Um, the Magic aren't going to go with Jabari, but that's that's uh, still in discussion. And I think pretty much, you know, again, whoever the other doesn't take, the Thunder are going to take. Um, or Whoever the um, Magic doesn't take, the Thunder are going to take. And then Paolo Bancaro is going to go number three. Eight. Honestly, to me, like, I think Paolo, Paolo is the best player in the draft right now. I, I think hands down. He's just so polished. Um, he reminds me of... You know, you'll go through and people will do comparisons to, to different pieces and every player is their own. But I see a lot of, like, really, really agile – I don't know. I see elements of Carlos Boozer in him. I see elements of Chris Weber in him. Um, I think he's definitely more mobile. He's he's way better offensively than um, Carlos Boozer was, like uh, prime Utah years and everything else. I, I just think he's – I think he's the best player in the draft. Um, not to say that, again, and that's why you swing, um, you know, take a swing on, on Chet and Jabari and say, hey, we project based on his size and age and everything else that we think he's going to be the best player five years from now. And how many times do we see that? Where the best player today is the best player five years from now. But I think we are pretty much locked into that top three with, um, you know, Jay Mizey going at four. And the Kings have been getting tons of calls about, you know, the Purdue um, shooting guard from there. And, you know, Jaden's a, a heck of a piece, too. I know the Knicks would love to somehow find a way to get him. I've read a bunch of places, but I think those are the top four. And what happens from five on, who the heck knows, Martin? Um, have you been – I know you've been following this. Uh, do you feel the same way with the top four that th- those are the four? Like, it's, it's oh, not going to yeah.
0: change. And after that, the crop shoot? No, it's – yeah, after that's going to be a crop shoot. My thing with Chet, though, is that if he was just – because he's under two hundred seven foot. If he was twenty to thirty pounds heavier, I don't think this would be a discussion. He'd be the clear cut number one pick. Like
1: I don't think so either. Average average fourteen a game last year on forty one percent shooting, nine point six boards, and the three point six blocks. Like just phenomenal shot blocking ability. You know he's just he's long, he's rangy. Um, he's just got such good defensive instincts. But yeah, his frame. It was hurts him because, like, while the size there, and nobody saw that, too, like where big centers were just kind of dogging in the post. But, um, you know, I think there's just – I think you're exactly right there that there's, there's just a uh, – you know, again, just a weight issue there. But any thoughts on Jabari?
0: I mean, I, I watched a lot of Auburn just because – I like Bruce Pearl because when he used to coach Tennessee, my favorite college basketball player, uh, Chris Lofton was on that team. So I followed Bruce Pearl around. But I, I don't like I don't know if he's a transformational type player, quote unquote, but I do feel like he is a good number one pick. I kind of feel the same way that we did. A, I think we did. Yeah, the Anthony Edwards one. And Anthony Edwards turned out all right, so I I feel like that same way. I'm not like head over heels, but I'm like, oh no, he's good. He's probably gonna be the number one pick. But Anthony Edwards has turned out really good so far. We saw him in the playoffs. He
1: might he might well end up being the best player from that draft. I mean he's he's full steam ahead and just yeah phenomenal. The the run he had in the the postseason, his first postseason. Um, Martin, if we string out the next few picks heading up to the the Cavs here, so. You've got um, you've got Benedict Matherin um, from Arizona. Uh, uh, you've got Keegan Murray. Um, there's some discussion about Keegan Murray potentially going for ahead of J. Ivey? I just don't see it. The wild card of the draft is is Shaden Sharp. Um, you know, highly recruited out of high school um, and then essentially didn't play at Kentucky for one reason or another. Um, you know, again, he, uh, he, he's got all the, all the tools necessary. And we've seen this before where folks get into the wrong college program and stuff. And then they surprise us. Um, Hey, maybe you should have paid more attention to a high school tape, And, you know, sometimes it's just, it's about fit. I mean, how many times do we, um, you know, see it go both ways? Um, You know, I think about Cam Reddish coming out of high school, bad fit. And, you know, he's really struggling in the NBA. And then we've also seen the opposite in the spectrum where, you know, a guy like Shaden Sharp could kinda of come out of nowhere. So I Shaden could go really high. Somebody could, you know, you know, take a flyer on him and see, hey, I think we could potentially find our next Anthony Edwards, you know, kinda of in hiding here, or um, you know, he might be a bust, but I mean he he is the biggest wild card across the board, I think, with so many draft experts. Another name to, to look at in terms of this this the ten range, um Two names, actually. Dyson Daniels, I'm really, really high on him. Like, I I would love if there's a way to somehow trade up and not give up a lot of assets, but you have to go future first. If you're trying to get in top 10 um, and trade up so nobody wants a 14 pick for the Cavs. But um, Australian guard, heck of a defender. He's got to work on his jump shot a little bit, but um, really, really have a big growth first. Um, you know, to get to a 6, six, six, six seven. phenomenal. Another giant wild card is... Um, have you been following Uzman Jang's rise in the NBL a little
0: bit? I have not. Not as much.
1: So, he's – I struggle with him, and a lot of draft folks struggle with him, too. He's 6'10". Um, like, you get Michael Porter vibes, but mm-hmm. then for me, I'm like, there's times where – so, he had an atrocious start to a season, like, it, in the NBL. And, obviously, that's tough for an 18-year-old, you know, moving to a different country – Um, you know, starting, you're living away from home. Like I think about us our freshman year of college and you're like, you're supposed to produce in, you know, eight months of basketball and set yourself up for what people are going to think about you long-term as an investment. Like that's a lot of pressure, but you know, people do it. Luca does it, everything else. But, um, so there's like vibes with his frame and everything else. I think people say he projects really well. The shooting came back a little bit toward the second half of his NBL career um in the New Zealand league. I also get a lot of Kevin Knox vibes. I hate to Oof. say it. So like some people are saying and that's a big swing, right? So it's a it's he's the testament of the of the high ceiling, low floor guy. But um if he's not Kevin Knox, he handles the ball phenomenally. Great pick and roll guy. Um just a lot of questions there. I would struggle find the Cavs. Like the Cabs could, could take a fly on him if he were to fall to them. And be like, hey, you know, this is we're not gonna push them along, you know, we're gonna evolve them, we're in a great spot with where our team's at. We're almost in the playoffs last year for one we for injuries, yada yada. Um and then Martin probably like the most like Tyrese Halliburton like player I see in this draft is Wisconsin's Johnny Davis. So obviously uh, an older player absolutely can score it, score the ball. Um it it's all three levels, um, particularly the mid-range game, is where he he cuts his jib, so to speak. But he's just he's just phenomenal um, in, in terms of scoring the basketball, and he competes uh, defensively. You know, for a six-four and a half guard, just at it, it, such a high level. So um, from there, you've got Jalen Duran, big uh, from Memphis. Jeremy Sohan is kind of the Andre Iguodala type player in this draft that everybody just is in love with. But really can't shoot. The Baylor um, guy came and defended all five positions. Um, you know, in the title game, you got AJ Griffin and um, Ochai Abaji, and that's kind of rounding out the the top 14, 15, along with Center Mark Williams, Tari Ethan. Um Martin. There's a, t- a lot of players. You know, again, that have popped up casually. I think they've done a job and They've done a good job at keeping everything quiet. Um, you know, too so, and that's good respect around the league when people call you, right? Um you know, for trades of like, Hey, can I run this by you without it getting out or leaked? And that's how people are more prone to do deals and stuff. They know they can trust you. But um you know, I think AJ Griffin's gonna go a little bit higher, but there's been a lot of injury concerns with him, even though he's such a phenomenal shooter and just like looks like he's cut out of marble, I mean, physically. I know you've watched probably some more jukeball ball than you have, um you know, for sure for uh mm-hmm. Jane, But what are your thoughts on A.J. Griffin?
0: So currently right now, projected would go to Washington, I think, which this comes up every freaking year. I think that'd be a really good pick for them if Bradley Beal leaves, because then you, quote-unquote, have his replacement at a cheaper deal, and you could try and build off of him and Prazingis. But – I mean, Duke dude can shoot. I mean, he's a playmaker. He would fit on that Washington team. I mean, obviously you can't teach hype to like being 6'6, 222, 6'11 winspan. He's still he doesn't even turn 19 till training camp in August. So I, I think he I think he could be a steal like in this draft for the Wizards who. It's just the Wizards. I just don't know if Bradley Beal finally leaves or goes to Miami or all of that. So if they have Bradley Beal and him, maybe they're a fringe, fringe play in. If Bradley Beal leaves, and then they're just gonna be a building, building block here for him. But I do want to go since we are pressed for time on our Cavaliers. Who you? are in a dilemma on who you want them to take at the 14th pick.
1: I am. Um, And just as we're talking here, like I've, I've gone back and forth so many times fans like on, so the Cavs, the Cavs drafting needs um, and they've got two seconds and who knows on seconds of note, there's two less seconds this year because of tampering with the Miami heat and the Milwaukee bucks. So I hate that that hurts kids, Martin, that, Hey, like this is, you work your entire life to be one of 60 picks every year and there's going to be two less kids who get that opportunity now like take the two picks and say hey we're going to designate these is like i don't know like picks this hey you get drafted and you immediately go into you know the g league ignite or something you know i i don't know what that looks like but like i just hate that that hurts kids martin yeah. On a side note, but so the Cavs have two extra seconds. Um, they need a backup point guard. Um, you know, Ricky Rubio, I think that's, that's the worst kept secret in the league that he wants to come back, but he, he wouldn't be available to December. So how do you get there? Do you triage and hope you can, you know, my turn, your turn with Sexton at the point, um, helping out a little bit here and there. The Cavs need a backup point guard. They need a backup center. They had to start Moses Brown um, off the uh, – basically the waiver wire you know when we had some injuries to uh, our front court um so then you address those things we talked about I think it'd be cool to have Isaiah Mobley in he's I don't know that he will get drafted but um I'm sure he would absolutely want to sign with his brothers team and um, play for our summer league squad and who knows from there to, to see but the biggest need and i leave this for last is you know obviously you've got a giant LeBron James size hole that you know this franchise is long to fill whenever he's not with us, and I think too like you've got a lot of guys that are like cleaner two threes like there's not like a whole bunch of budding six eight six nine six ten players out there that aren't you know forwards and stuff too now granted like so at fourteen there's a couple of players that I'll say no brainer regardless of fit I want if they fall to me so in that category which i don't and I don't expect these two players to be there but are dyson Daniels at um six 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 seven and guard Johnny Davis if bo- any of those players are there at fourteen, you have to take them those are that's where I'm at right now, and that's not necessarily fit that's based on talent. I think you figure it out from there like look at like if Johnny Davis ends up being your Jordan Poole, where you just you have a three guard rotation and um you know I think that that's that's fine um other folks more realistic that I think, hey, when you start talking about wings, I don't expect Jeremy Sohan to go that far, but I just I can't for as good a defender as he is, we already have an Isaac Okoro um and we who can't shoot and we need people who can put the ball in the basket. I think my next yeah. person Martin if he's available there at fourteen and as I'm seeing here, he might fall. I think I think I would take a flyer on AJ Griffin. You know, again, he's just got such a good perimeter shot your typical three and D guy, he's long, he's physical. I think he would, he'd work well. Um, you know, being able to funnel guys into the, you know, if they get, they get past him with like a foot speed into Mowgli and, um, Jared Allen in the post. Um, the name that's been linked with the Cavs I think the most heavily is Ochai Abaji from, uh, from Kansas. He's only six, four and a half. Um, but he's got such, he's got like a, something crazy like a a seven foot wingspan, which, you know, helps a little bit defensively. Um, you know, there's been some constant Jay Crowder or Anthony Smith. Like I think the Cavs would make it work and he can put the ball in the basket too. But like the other two names that I think are, don't be surprised tomorrow. If you hear them, if all the players I mentioned are off the board, um, target Easton of LSU, I'm really high on. He's just, he's just a brute force in the paint and attacking the basket and then defensively in the passing lane and stuff too. You know, he's been a part of that giant LSU team that, you know, they fired their coach for, um, you know, improper benefits to players on a tapped FBI reporting call back with the casino, like busts and everything else. Um, so he's a name to to watch out for just, you know, didn't quite have a, a crazy eye popping season in LSU, but, um, you know, in his sophomore year, made a huge jump. And then Jalen Williams from Santa Clara, um, very much in that Anthony Davis role where it was, hey, I'll sign on to Santa Clara. I'm a 6'2 shooting guard or 6'2 point guard to handle the ball all the time. And then Martin, he just grew like Anthony Davis, like when he originally committed to Cleveland State and decommitted um, when he was a point guard and just hit that gross spurt. average 18 points, four assists. Um, primary ball handler and facilitator at, from the small forward role, and just kind of a jumbo point guard. That I think that's a guy you could stick in and help facilitate the offense. That hey, can you find your your small forward of the future and your kind of backup facilitator to Darius Garland? I think it well could be Jalen Williams. So who knows? I'm going to talk myself into anybody tomorrow, Martin. Um, but I think there's I think there's a lot of good options available in years where there's you know not always. You know, great potential after the the top five picks.
0: Yeah, I I agree with all the things you said too. Is also not even with in regards to the picks, but where the Cleveland we have Cowboys,
1: talked about Malachi Brandon.
0: Yeah, who I think that's who they're going to take. I do think they're going to take Malachi, Ohio State kid. Even though I was still a little weary because it was just like this. He had that spurt in the second half of the season where everyone's like, "Oh my gosh, this is a." lottery pick like he wasn't like consistent all like that but then he had that spur and then here we are but i the more exciting thing for me with the Cavs pick is that it's the 14th pick and cleveland is in a really good spot if people if you've listened to this podcast you know before the injuries we were a top four seed in the eastern conference and I think we would have stayed in the top six if we did not have all those injuries. And we were limping into the play-in game. We almost took out Brooklyn in Brooklyn without our full team. So it's again, exciting at that point to be a Cavaliers fan because you're going to get all these people healthy. Again, you got another year under your belt. You experienced playoff basketball because we almost took out Brooklyn. We had the game against Atlanta. So this pick could be another piece that, Pushes us forward past play-ins and, and like just directly in the playoffs. So that's what I'm more excited about. But I think we're taking Malachi. I just Buckeye kid. I... And I'd
1: be fine with Malachi. I'd be fine with Malachi too. Mm-hmm. Obviously, only at six four. You know, that's not quite the the small forward size you need defending Kevin Durant every night, defending LeBron James every night. You know, those the the Giannis's those kinds of things, but. He's a 3-and-D guy, um, shot over 50% from the field and 42% from three as a freshman in the Big Ten. You know, I don't, I don't see for his size. There's been a lot of criticism of his defense. I just, don't, I just don't see as a guy I watched a lot in person. Went to three games this year, and as I've seen, um, you know, on TV and stuff too. But, you know, again, it's all to scale in different leagues, and when you get to the association, things are different. People got to project what they think they're going to project out of him. But, you know, I, I would be perfectly fine with Malachi Branham um, in there as well, too. And then you, you figure out, hey, is this the Jekyll and Hyde thing with Isaac Okoro where, hey, I need offense. Here's Malachi. Hey, I need – deep, and not to detract from the defense, but Isaac is the best defender on the Cleveland Cavaliers um, in terms of wings. So that you just you, – you interchange them um than you do with some of their parts type thing to the position. But Martin, I'm I'm excited. We're over an hour, man, but um a lot of ground to cover in the off seasons well away. So I had to get back with listeners to recap draft and um you know maybe some early free agency signings including uh PJ Tucker um <laughs> apparently getting bank into his forties. We'll see.
0: Yeah so obviously when this episode comes out the draft will be Well, over. So, you will hear from us again, hearing our reviews on the draft, any surprises. There might be some trades during that. So, you'll be there will be trades. Yeah. So, be on the lookout for that. Also, we still have our podcast that we're going to do just about the Cleveland Cavaliers and uh, a magical season, in my opinion, because no one expected us to be where we were at. So, that's going to be coming up. We still got to schedule that. So, be on the lookout for our draft review, our Cavs one. And then, before you know it, we'll be talking about the season opener.
1: We'll be here before we know
0: it. And with that being said, thank you, everyone, for listening to the L7C Podcast. Make sure you like, rate, comment, subscribe. And everyone, take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of the L7C Podcast. Be sure to like, rate, review, and subscribe to the channel. Follow us on all social media platforms, and we'll be talking to you guys soon. Take care.